Welcome back to the Andrew Curtis Show and a slightly different episode today. I've been thinking for a little while about doing something to catch up my listeners on what's uh, what I've been involved in over the last year or so. And you'll notice too, through different people that I've spoken to, I've always been fascinated with personal development and growth. And then also too, how do we go about getting the kind of life that we really want? Even over the course of the new year as well, I spoke to a few people about this idea. But behind all this, I also thought that the most important thing to do is to put your money where your mouth is. And so I wanted to have that conversation with you guys. And then I thought, well, that could be a bit boring if it's just me talking. So maybe there's a way that I can make this into a conversation. And so immediately somebody came to mind who actually was the first person that I ever recorded a podcast with. I don't know if you can remember that too, bro. I I do remember that. (laughs) Uh, so I asked him to be a part of this and we're literally just going to have a bit of a chat about just things that have happened over the last year. And my hope is that it's going to be interesting and hopefully insightful for you and you'll be able to take the things that you want from it. And so without further ado, welcome for the first time ever to the Andrew Curtis show, Timothy Wackrow. Hello, everybody. All tens of people can hear you right now. Tens of tens of people. (laughs) No, it's great to be here in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, how do I make this as easy as possible? I thought if I turn up in your house, it's much harder for you to change your mind. Oh, I definitely wouldn't have got out of bed, so it's <laughs> nice to have you in here. <laughs> so I'm thinking where to begin on this, man, because like you've like we recorded, yeah, the first the first ever podcast that I ever recorded was you and me sitting in a kitchen um, and talking about. I think we talked about confidence. Yeah, I I can't really remember. I'm sure it was there was a lot of a tangent, so I'll try not to, <laughs> to to repeat that process today. Um, yeah, we'll try to keep it on track. Yeah, but I'm pretty comfortable with tangents, so that's fine. Um, I mean, look, for me, why that kind of comes back to mind was that that was where I first started thinking about just getting more involved in doing kind of recording and, and broadcasting and that kind of stuff. Again, like I had done it maybe 10 years previously and not for a long time and started to think, oh, yeah, maybe I could kind of do this sort of thing again. So if in many ways, this show today is partly because of Tim Wacker. Yeah, well, a lot of people would... Attribute the success to, to, to me and my and my conversations. So, no, yeah, I mean, happy to be here. I think, yeah, I think I'll probably ask you some some questions, and then and then that way you can drive it more than yeah, sure, more than me. But um, yeah, so I guess should we just crack into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. All right. So Andrew Curtis, mm. you're doing a podcast now. I am. Um, as as we said, you've got tens of tens of followers. <laughs> so I'm I'm, I'm curious what brings you to today doing this podcast i think maybe we should start we should start from your radio days yeah sure um and kind of work our way to cool. to now nice so in the beginning what made you even think about um radio and and was this ever a a, a pathway that you could you could see yeah well, podcasting didn't even kind of exist when i was at school which is like a t- t- like a terrifying thing to be able to say like but now you can start to say back in my day yeah um yeah, no, man, I I always, I knew I was a communicator, but that was kind of all that I knew. Um, I mean, I, I remember actually back in school thinking that I wanted to maybe look at doing law because I liked the idea of the mental kind of challenge of it. Uh, but I have uh, an uncle who has done very, very well in law and, and loves it. He's a QC now. But I remember seeing what his life looked like when I was growing up and even at the age of like 17 or 18 thinking, okay, that's what you need to do to do really well in that profession. Mm. Am I prepared to do that? And the answer was no. So 
then I, yeah, the, the second thing that I thought about was, well, what if I did radio? And so I did a, um, a Bachelor of Communication Studies at IUT where I learned to talk like this. Um, not really, they don't, they don't teach you to talk like that. Um, but you managed to anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I think a lot of those things are like, you know, you're more, you're better to try and find a form of education that fits who you are than trying to shoehorn yourself into something else. And sure. so I was like, I can already do the jock voice. Let's see if we can get paid for it. Uh, so yeah, so that was why I, I chose to do, um, radio back then. Um, but no, there wasn't, it wasn't really anything in terms of at least that I was aware of, um, when I first started studying, which would have been in like 2000 and something, um, that suggested this was even possibly an option. So when you were studying, did you have any kind of long-term goal? Do you think I'm going to, I'm going to be a radio host or I'm going to get into, into radio or what, what was your plans back then? Did you have any at all? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Actually, I found I was unusually clear about at least wanting to study radio because mm. uh, the degree that I did, there was three different, not three, there was like probably about five or six different majors that you could do and you didn't have to choose until your final year. And there was a lot of people that I was going through the degree with who would literally tell you that the reason they chose it was because they had another two years before they had to decide what they were going to major in. Uh, and they could still do things like journalism or TV or like multimedia and PR and all that kind of stuff. So there was still a fairly broad base, but no, man, I knew, I knew I wanted to do radio from the very beginning. Wow. Um, so that was never, yeah, that was never a question I had to worry about. So, so you got through your degree. Did you do any kind of work during, during that period to get into that field? Um, you do a couple of, the degree when I did it, you do a couple of little internships with, um, like I think mine was with, it was called Radio Works back then, which is now part of Media Works, um, which basically looks after about half of the media market in New Zealand those are also the guys who own um TV3 and that sort of thing so I did some like yeah really brief stuff back with uh The Rock I was like did promo stuff with them Dwayne The Rock Johnson yeah exactly uh, and also um a station that no longer exists which was called Solid Gold which did like I remember Solid Gold yeah like 50s and 60s stuff yeah. tell you what traumatized me when I was working for them I suddenly had this thought that said you know what like 30, 40 years from now, there's going to be another version of the station for like, you know, my generation, mm. but whatever. And they're going to be playing stuff like Britney Spears. <laughs> and my kids are going to listen to that and think that that was what I was listening to. Well, it was. So Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe so, but some things you want to keep yourself. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, and at that time, did you have any kind of, did you think, did you have any heroes in, in that field that you're like, yeah, I want to be the next hmm. radio guy? Radio guy? No, man. Well, this is Four the other homes. side of it. Like, I... I think this has been a bigger part of what my just personal journey has been about anyway, is that I don't think I really did. Um, even having that sense of a clear calling of what I actually wanted for my own life, I think that I was a lot more, I guess, passive about that sort of thing. Like, I, I didn't understand that your life can become an expression of your desires and your interests and that those things are clues. Like I feel like I can say that now with confidence that if something catches my interest or I have a natural passion for it, then to me that speaks to what your vocation could be. Um, in fact, I had a great conversation with someone recently where they were talking about the word, the word vocation and that it is derived from, uh, I think it's Latin or Greek that speaks, that, that means a calling. Mm. Um, and I think that's a fascinating idea that your work can be a calling, but it's a calling from the inside, not from the outside. Sure. Like, so I, I think I was waiting for somebody to come to me and say, hey, here's the thing that you've been looking for your whole life. And I didn't really know how to 
listen to, pay attention to, or respect the things that I was naturally drawn to and thought that actually that could provide that direction for me. Mm. So I lacked a lot of that. And I think because of it, I, I became very easy to influence and getting involved in other things like if somebody else said to me oh hey you should do this or we need your help with whatever it might be i'd be like oh okay maybe that's what it is so i was always looking for this outside source it seems, it seems like at least you were self-aware enough to know that hey i'm really good at communicating and and mm. expressing ideas and opinions on things mm. um you know in a rational kind of way so uh, it seems like you're at least self-aware enough to know that there was a direction it wasn't. I think feel like a lot of people, particularly at university, don't have no idea. It's like they're sure. just they're just no clue at all. So they tend to you know um, tend towards the mean or everyone else is mm. doing, um, and kind of get pushed along and drift into the next thing that props up. So I think at least you, I feel like you had some, you know, at least at least pointing the arrow in, in, in one one sort of general direction. Yeah, I think I think there is some truth to that. I would balance that by saying after doing radio for about five years, so after I graduated, I worked with um, uh, as a private radio station in Auckland called Rima Media, um, and I was there for about five years. And I left after five years feeling like, well, that's it. Like, there's nothing more for me to do here. And so I didn't really have much of a, a personal vision of what I could do with my ability to communicate other than knowing that I liked to communicate. So at that point, I knew what, I could probably tell you what my interest was, but in terms of a clearer sense of what I wanted it to look like, that probably took another 10 years to figure out. Okay, cool. So tell me a bit more about that. So you so you left university and you got started at yep. Rima uh, Radio. Yep. And you were there for five years. Yep. And then, so at the end of that period, did you feel like, well, that's it for Rima? Or do you feel like that's it for me in radio? At the time, yeah, I thought that was it for radio. Uh, I I don't like doing just music radio. Mm. Uh, I find that kind of boring. If if you've done any form of media like that, it's a lot more planned than people realize. Sure. And your scope to do different things is not as wide as you might think. And so I found the typical format of, you know, maybe seven or eight breaks an hour um, of those, uh, you know, two or three are station liners, um, another two or three, are, you know, competitions or other related stuff, and maybe one or two per hour are what they might call a personality break, where you can add your own flavor to stuff, which by the way, it does still annoy me to this day whenever I hear a, a segment on air and it sounds like someone's just doing the, here's something I found on the internet. Um, it's like, oh, you won't believe this thing that happened in Poland. I'll tell you after this. And I'm like going, oh God, this is just going to be like the worst. <laughs> so no, but all to say that, yeah, I, I just felt like at that point I didn't have any more passion or drive for that. And so I just felt like I was, I was finished with that at the time. Um, I remember that very clearly just being like, okay, I just, I feel like I'm done. Um, not like I'm done, but just like whatever this was supposed to be about, that's it. So it was very much kind of stepping out. It was the first time, became a bit of a trend. It wasn't actually the first, it was the second time um, that I left a job with absolutely nothing lined up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of you doing that. <laughs> 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 it's, it, it speaks to your very low trait neuroticism. Correct. <laughs> You're not too worried about the future as other people may be or what mm. might happen. Um, so tell me at that stage, you've finished Rima, what kind of self-narrative did you have at that stage like how did you perceive yourself and who you mm. were 
Wow, that's a great question. It's hard to hang on to that, actually. I, I've thought about this recently because I can tell you with confidence if I think back to myself from when I was like, say, 18, 19, 20 years old, something like that. Uh, people tend to be shocked now when I tell them, but I was incredibly insecure. I was very shy and awkward around people. I would avoid conversations with people, found it very difficult to talk to strangers or just introduce myself to people, be in large social groups, all that kind of stuff. So compared from then to, I guess, what, five or six years later than that, I think what was really cool by that stage is that I'd made some really, really good friends. And I'd learnt at that stage, um, no, let me put that another way. I know now that one of the main reasons that I made the progress that I did then was because of those people. Wow. Um, that when you have a group of people who believe in you, the trap is to start to internalize that and think that that just occurs naturally. Mm. Um, but if you meet anyone who is isolated for too long, it's very hard to find an isolated person with strong self-confidence. Mm. Uh, I don't think we're designed to work like that. Um, and so I see now that that was a huge part of that. And it's something that gives me a lot of confidence now when I talk to people if they want to build their own image of themselves, that you don't actually need a lot of people. Mm. I feel like we as a culture tend to try and control if somebody has a negative view of a particular even race or sexual orientation or religion or whatever, that our message tends to be, well, if you're feeling bad about that, we need to change everyone else's opinion of you and then you'll feel better. Sure. So we'll stop everyone else saying bad things to you and we'll stop them doing this and we won't let other people do that. There's a place for that, I suppose. But what I found more personally powerful was just realizing that actually, if you just have half a dozen people, a dozen people who you know really want the best for you and believe in you and encourage you, that will do a huge amount of the heavy lifting for you. And so that was definitely something that was part of my life by, you know, by that stage, by the time I was, what, 25, 26, something like that. And do you think you organized it that way or did was it just a circumstance or how, how did you, like if someone is listening to this at the moment and thinking yeah. like, well, I don't have that kind of friend group. I don't have people mm. around me that you know believe in me or support in me or share any of these kind of ideals that i'm working towards mm. being for myself or do those people just need to cut out people from their life and find <laughs> it and find a new friend group or how, and how did it happen for you and how would you recommend someone mm. go about finding that kind of support network yeah um i love something that i heard from tony robbins once where this is a guy who has experienced a measure of success that is just he's the one percent of the one percent sure and yet I remember hearing an interview with him where he said, look, his life in many points came down to what he called moments of grace. And they were just things that you couldn't, you couldn't earn. You couldn't really say you deserved it, but they had a really positive influence. Um, I have a sense that everybody has the ability to experience those moments because if you look at the world that we live in today, we don't deserve a huge amount of what we get to enjoy. Even the fact that you were born in the last 50 years or so. If you look at human history, if you want to be grateful about anything, look at how people lived in 1800, what their life expectancy was, all that kind of thing. I say all that to say that when I look at the things that I did now, um, I am prepared, very prepared to acknowledge that there will be things that I can't take complete credit for. Mm. Um, and so I did find a community of people and it was, in my, in my case, it was through church. Uh, I don't think it has to be a church for, for somebody to experience at least at this level that we're talking about. It could be a, a club that you're involved in, something else where people get together around a particular common interest. But a, just a group of people um, 
there is no escaping the need for other people in your world. I don't think you can do that. If you're trying to find a way of building yourself up in such a way that the narrative can sometimes go, once I've got myself sorted out, then I will engage with other people. And I think my own life and my study of this sort of thing now would suggest that it's more about you're better to throw yourself in amongst a group of people first as you are, and then that other stuff will help sort itself out. Mm. So we put the chicken uh, chicken before the egg, cart before horse, metaphor before the other thing. Um, that would be my advice on that, is that whatever it is, even if it's just a topic or an interest that you have, throw yourself at it, find a group of people that, that, that aligns with where you're at. I wouldn't tell you exactly what that should look like. As I said, I'm quite honest about what that was for me. But how much as well did I did I earn that or deserve that? There was an element of me choosing that, and there was an element as well of I know how easy it would be to not have that. Mm. So that's probably as much credit as I can take for. That okay, part. cool. So, so you've 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 um, kind of established a, a a better way of orienting yourself in the world through your yeah. friendships and the yeah. people that you spend time with. Sure. Um, and 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 I think you could say a, a better version of yourself uh-huh. as a ref- reflection of the people you hung hung around at that point in time. So you've just finished Rima, and you're moving on to the next stage of your life. At that stage, again, did you did you have some sense of direction, or was it no, like... no? Actually, if anything, it was that was very open ended. Um, when I left the world of, of media at that point, it was just that, okay, I think I'm done with this. I don't know what the next thing would be. And that's why I said to you, I I felt like I had a very external perspective. It was very, if I'm using a term from psychology that people may understand, I had a very external locus of control. So I was looking for things that would happen to me. There was a sense of knowing what my interests were and starting to become aware of that. But I didn't realize, I don't think I treated that as seriously as I would now, Mm. or maybe that's not the right way to look at it. I didn't see it as as powerful a tool, perhaps. still doesn't quite resonate, but I think you get where I'm going with this, to to get a clue of what that next thing should be. So I just kind of left to go, okay, well, what's the next thing that I should do? And so I ended up in another media-related role, um... But it was, it was almost like, I remember actually thinking like, okay, well, I had this idea of, you know, I'm going to be in radio and yada, yada, yada. And yet I'd now got to a point where I was looking, okay, well, I don't want that, at least for now. What's the next step going to look like? And I would say I, I would characterize possibly even as much of the next, say, maybe 10 years of, of trying to, of, of actually learning how to get that answer for myself. Yeah. And, and Although I took a lot of value out of things and always wanted to learn through the process, also feeling a little bit hands off the the steering wheel and and letting a lot of things make my choices for me, I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time, but it it started to, and this is skipping forward, so we'll kind of go back and cover this properly, but I would say after about, you know, kind of seven or eight years of this, feeling that I was... I was feeling more and more frustrated and angry and um, I don't know if bitter is quite the right word, but just that that thing hadn't come to me yet. You know, I said like I had that idea of, okay, but if I do all these sorts of things, someday it's going to come to me and it still hadn't. Yeah. And so eventually I, you know, I confronted that and there was some insight that I had around that, which we can get to. But 
I would say that the next 10 years were very much more reactive. And so even, like I said, I went into another media role and then I left that after a couple of years. And again, with nothing lined up because that's how we roll. Um, and I, I spent a couple of years then as a, like a contractor and doing all sorts of random stuff, man. Like I did like even like, uh, what do they call it? Doing like extra work as well. Like for um, TV shoots and things, I did like some voiceover work for, uh, it was like a real estate company, um, different copywriting gigs for other, you know, freelance roles and things like that. Um, mm. yeah. And so that was a kind of a continuation on of that thing of like going, okay, maybe this is the thing, maybe this is the thing. And, and again, still looking for that external signal of it. So I don't know any thoughts on that before I carry on. Well, uh, the reason I ask is because I think a lot of people that you talk to, and I know this for myself as well, is like often especially through your 20s you you feel like you should have it all figured out in terms of where you're heading all oh, right you know like where you want to, where you want to go yeah. or what you want to do with your life or some sort of directions yeah. like this is this is my north star that i'm heading mm, towards mm. and i mean if you listen to any kind of personal development the kind of first step is defining a vision or defining sure, a goal sure um and then it's like orienting all your means <laughs> towards achieving that goal so yeah uh, yeah, the the reality is is that I think it's like ninety eight or ninety nine percent or something like that of people don't have any no, goals or don't no. have any kind of clear direction of where they want to go in their life. Mm. Um, so I'm curious as to do you think that that's a thing that you need to have? And what point in time do you mm. get that? Or is that something that comes to you through accumulating skills and and, and sure. doing different activities? Or you know how do you, how do you think someone should approach that at any stage in their life? That's Man, I told you you'd be good at this. <laughs> um, I'm just, I don't have the answers, so I'm hoping you do. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I think, I, I think again, high level too, a big part of this conversation is that I think it's really important to share stories from the midpoints of journeys as well. Mm. And a lot of the stories that we hear are, even when I mentioned Tony Robbins before, I mean, it's great for me to say, oh, Tony Robbins said this. I said, yeah, but if you think of Tony Robbins now, you think of a guy with like seven businesses and like hundreds of millions of dollars. Um and so that's cool, but it's also a bit disconnected from where a lot of us feel like we're at. So what I would say about the goal point of view is that I had some moments after I'd done that contracting stuff for a little while, I had a friend who was looking to start a digital marketing company. And again, I was just very aware I didn't have a vision of what I wanted to do for myself. And after doing contracting stuff for a while, you're, you're very much kind of in and out, like you're you know, you'd work on a project, then you go. And I just had a sense that I really wanted to feel like I built something. Mm. And you don't get that with contracting. And so he came along and was like, hey, man, this is what I'm looking to do. Um, I need some help with some launch material, some marketing material. And I was like, yeah, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And we just found out we'd known each other for a few years, but found out that we actually worked really, really well together. And so came to the point where it was like, well, shall we make a run of this as a, as a two-man team? And I was like, you know what? I, I never said this to him, but I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't really know what I want for myself right now, mm. but I know that this guy is going somewhere. And at the very least, if I jump on board with this thing, I'll end up somewhere. Sure. <laughs> so at least I'm not going to just be doing nothing. It's like hit your wagon. To the yeah, <laughs> bro. And that was it again. And then it, it was again, very much externally focused. I was like, oh, I still don't know what it was. But the thing that I'll say was great about working with him was that he was very much about helping people identify what those skills are that they have, that they can contribute and almost like productizing, um, for want of a better word, 
the things that you're good at and making sure that you're aware of those and bringing them to your attention as well. And there were challenges in that stuff as well, you know, good, bad, yada, yada. But that was a big thing about that, that, that time for me. So I say that though, to mention that there was a point within that business where I was at a business conference and we were doing a goal setting thing. And it was write down what your vision is for the business for the next 90 days. You know, what are you really passionate about? What do you really want to make happen? Mm. And I just so clearly remember looking at this thing and filling it out and just that voice in my mind going, you do not believe any of this. You don't care about any of this stuff. <laughs> this is complete crap. Yeah. And I knew it. Yeah. And I knew it like the whole way through. And so I think when it comes to setting goals and vision, what I started to learn on the other side of that is, as well was, you know, how do you really connect with something that's a powerful vision for your own life like what do you actually want because you can set a goal for anything like yeah i'm gonna climb mount everest i mean fine i'm gonna buy a brand new bmw well yeah but does that really resonate with who you are and where is that coming from mm. is that an external signal that someone else has said to you this is what success looks like because i've alluded to this a few times now what i have come to see is that within every person there are things that resonate with you like they don't resonate with anybody else sure and if you had to stop and think about why you like what you like hmm. can you really come up with a reason for it people kind of can but it's usually bs like why do you like what you like why are you interested in what you're interested in and i just started to see that those are sacred there's something that's really powerful about that and when you know that, then you can say, okay, well, if that's true, what should my goal be? And then writing a goal is cool. Like, that's kind of exciting. That's fun. That's an expression of what you're about. As opposed to what I feel like the approach to goal setting is for most people, where they say, well, what should my life be? Okay, let's look around me. What do other people do? What do other people have? I suppose I should want something like that. Okay, that's what my goals will be now. Hey, friend A, friend B, what do you think of this? If indeed you show anyone. And then you end up with a list of things that people will kind of tell you are, are, are good things. But, I mean, are you really energized by those things? Do you really resonate when you read those kind of things? And I, I would suggest for most people they don't. And so they don't write goals. Sure. Hmm. So is there an alternative to is there an alternative to that then? Like, or is there a, is there a method or, or, or a way of thinking or an hmm. approach to figuring out what the real driver is? Yeah. Uh, rather than taking on board the kind of, the, the general goals that most people feel like they should have. Definitely. Well, again, I, I will speak from my experience on this one. Um, one of the things that I learned as well, working with um, this friend of mine, uh, was that he was a very single-minded person. He knew what he wanted and he was very clear about it. And because of that, he could engage other people on it because he knew what he wanted to ask them. Mm. It, you know, and I started to notice that I, although I was feeling very disempowered, he struck me as a very powerful person. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, what is it about him that makes him powerful? And I thought about another friend as well. Um, in fact, another mutual friend of ours who lives in Sydney at the moment, who I, I would also describe in the same light. Mm. Thinking, what is it about them? And I thought, well, you know what? They seem to really know what it is that they want and also believe that their actions have a very direct result on that thing happening. Sure. And I realized I didn't have that. I didn't believe that. And so... That was striking for me. And so I started to think, okay, well, how do, you, how do you get to that point, right? And so throughout that process of time, I mean, look, I've always been a person who has studied human behavior and psychology and that sort of thing. And 
one of the most important discoveries that I made is a very simple sentence, but there's so much depth to it. And again, if people have been listening to the show for a while, they might have heard me say it a few times. And that is that your experience of life is created by your thinking. Mm. That is a profound statement. The experience of your life is created by your thinking. It's not created by your circumstance. It's not created by somebody else. But the things that I think about will determine whether I'm happy or sad, uh, excited or pessimistic. And so I am creating my experience of every day. Instead of blaming other people, that suddenly meant I had to go, well, wait a minute. If I'm feeling disempowered, I'm having thoughts that are disempowering me. Mm. What, what, is, what is the cause of that? And so you, I started to learn to ask myself, okay, well, what could I be thinking that makes me feel that way? What is combined with an insight like that is also this awareness that, again, I, I, would, I would say this transcends just simple book knowledge, but there's something about wisdom and truth that resonates with people the world over. Again, I don't care what your beliefs are. Again, listening to this, you could be from any any culture, any religion. But when people experience a deeper truth, they know it. And it's a full body experience. Like I often say to people, it's the difference between truth with lowercase t and truth with a capital T. The lowercase truth is like two plus two equals four. Sure. And we go, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. So like if you say to someone, hey, you should, you know, get a good, get a good job. Yeah. Okay. You should, you know, look after your finances. Okay. Fine. Like we all agree with that. You should look after your health. You should eat more fruit and vegetables. Okay. Fine. But then there are those moments where we would call them maybe a bolt from the blue, a eureka moment, um, an aha moment, whatever it might be. Those things that wake you up at two o'clock in the morning or maybe when you're standing in the shower or sitting on the toilet or driving in the car or whatever and you go like, oh, and in some fraction of your world, something that was cloudy becomes clear, something that was complicated becomes simple. Tell me about an example of that in your life, Andrew. Ooh, um... Oh, well, okay. One that connects with that in particular, when I was thinking about this idea of being powerful, you know, what does it mean to be powerful and things like that? I had a moment where I suddenly saw that power is like a currency. It's like money. Um, And you are able to give your power to something. So like even as a small child, you know, you give the power to do what you want during the course of a day to a teacher in exchange for an education. So it's something that we all do, um, the power to go where you want and do what you want, um, even the power to feel good about yourself. Sometimes somebody, we give that power to a family member, we give that power to friends or just in a, like a, an amorphous, that's why I think social media is so out of control, just an amorphous horde of people that says, if, if, if enough people think I'm cool, then I'll be cool. Well, how many people? Like 10 people, 50 people, a million people? But that was only the foundational insight. The one that really drove home for me was to ask myself that question to say, okay, who have I given my power to? And that, in that moment, I was like, whoa, like I realized, and that was what I said. I, that was honestly that moment where I would say I made that transition point from being very external locus of control to internal. Because I suddenly realized there was, there was some people um, and groups of people that I had given my power to, that it was a matter of saying, okay, well, in terms of what Andrew Curtis does with his life, who have I given the power to decide that for me? And I could, in that moment, I could, t- I could tell you instantly who it was. Yeah. And I went, whoa. And because of that, I instantly made choices right then and instantly made some big changes on the spot that other people have still found kind of difficult to understand. But that's where it came from. 
I suddenly realized that a lot of the reason why I'd sensed a lack of direction and power in my own life was because I had given my power to other people. And I, in that moment, I went, wait a minute, I'm getting a bad deal. And I took it back Yeah. in that moment. So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily an action that, that you went about taking that power back. It was no. just an, a, a level of understanding. Well, the understanding precedes the action. Mm. Uh, you know, if you change your thinking, the action follows naturally. If you sure. become aware of your thinking, the action follows naturally. Yeah. Um, so I find that that is more, that is the more powerful thing to ask yourself is not so much what should I do next, but if you can become aware of what your thinking is, if you can see it, the moment you see it, the action becomes super, super clear. Mm. Yeah. I think most people would say that, and, and, and you're, you're making it sound like a very easy thing. <laughs> um, and perhaps it was because of this 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 kind of moment of um, aha or eureka that you mentioned. Uh-huh. But most people would say that it's very difficult to take control and take ownership and and, mm. and take power back from other things and other people or, right. or cultural views or this is how I should live my life or mm. my own you know my responsibilities in a wider context. So mm. and would say that's a difficult thing. So but by the by by the sounds of it, it's like kind of a thing that just kind of happened so tell me about that well right 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 is is there something that we can do to get ourselves in a state where we find mm. that, that easiness of 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 perhaps finding that eureka moment yeah absolutely that was why i shared that thought to begin with and why i think it's so powerful and needs to come back you need to come back to it until you really get that moment of you know that aha moment that insight for yourself about it but when i said that your thinking is creating your experience of life like even when you said those things to me now, that betrays a belief that actually other things create my experience of life, mm. right? Oh yeah, but it's also my culture. Oh, but it's also my age. Oh, but it's also my gender. It's also my race. It's also how much money I've got. It's almost how much I don't have, whatever it is. Sure. There's still this belief that says, no, no, but, but actually other things are creating my experience of life. The moment you can actually see for yourself, my thinking is creating my experience of life, then you take that power back in that moment. Mm. You at least have the ability to say, okay, I'm feeling really frustrated in my work right now. The old school approach would be to say, well, why is that? Well, this person's doing this and that person's doing this and these situations, what, what? And it's all, that's what's creating my experience. But if I accept as a principle that my thinking is creating my experience of life, I can start to say, okay, well, what am I thinking about the people that I'm working with that is leading to that frustration. Mm. And you might suddenly realize, wow, actually I have a problem with confrontation with people. I'm not honest with people. And in fact, if I'm really going to put myself on the on the table on this one as well, that was the thing I realized for myself as well, that a lot of my frustration was because I was a liar. Mm. And not because I would deliberately outright lie to people, but I had lies of omission all over the place where people would say to me, hey, do you want to do this thing? And I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. But I didn't really want to. Yeah. Um, and so that was on me. Like, I wasn't saying the things that I needed to say. I wasn't being truthful. And so being truthful is is foundational to being powerful, like truly powerful, not tyrannical, um, having the kind of life that you want. And so to come back to that point that you're making there is that if I understand that my thinking is creating my experience of life, that can be, I can understand how that can be scary if you start to acknowledge that and go, oh gosh, that means it's all my fault. What I would encourage anybody listening to, to know is that there's another point about truth that's really helpful. Well, in fact, that kind of says it, is that the, the, the truth helps. You know, we've got this, this, this what's a um, phrase in English where we say, you know, the truth hurts. 
I would say that actually the truth helps. Mm. Uh, and if you understood that, then you wouldn't run from it. But we don't understand that. And so we do run from it. If I look at my reasons for doing why I'm doing right now, if you really understood the truth behind it, again, the action that you need to take next would present itself mm. and you would feel powerful. But we don't do that. And so we run from the truth about why am I doing what I'm doing? Because oh, I feel like I have to, because I feel like this or whatever. And so we live in that sense of not feeling great. So the thing that you need to do, you'll know, like that's the amazing thing as well. I started to uncover what was true for me is true for everyone, that anybody living out of a sense of what is truthful and powerful for them, if you realize that these things are placed within you and all you need to do is see them and acknowledge them and start moving towards them truthfully, the next steps that you need to take will present themselves. Uh, and even the challenge that can be associated with it is then, well, what will other people think? And you go, well, okay, I mean, that's, that's a good thing to acknowledge, but you're also saying that my life, what's the most important to me is what other people think of me. If, I mean, the moment you see that, you can say, well, hang on. So what am I going to do? Am I going to live my whole life based on other people's approval? Is that going to work for me? Yes or no? So the, the next step that you need to make becomes a lot clearer. And so it puts it within everybody's reach, I think, the moment you realize what, what your power is coming from. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. So to bring it back to your kind of journey, yep. so you finish at this digital marketing role, these, uh -huh. this kind of, this, this, um, this insight that you had, mm -hmm. at what stage did um, this come about and, and in, in your journey after the digital marketing or during mm -hmm. the digital marketing process and, yep. and, and how did that contribute to you starting this podcast and, and beginning this journey that you're on at the moment? Yeah. Um, so again, a fortunate factor of, and this is why I say there's moments of grace within things as well. Um, and in fact, probably connects even better to what you were saying earlier on. You know, people have a sense that they need to know everything that their life's about in their early twenties, which is like, I mean, if you think about your working career of being at least 50 years, yeah. right? Start at 20, you're probably going to work to your 70. Um, the days of retiring at 65 uh, are long gone. So you're going to probably work to 70. That's 50 years. That is a huge amount of time. Yeah. And we're going to say to somebody, if you don't know what you're going to do in the first five years of that 50, like, I mean, come on. Um, I've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent there with that, haven't I? What about the 45-year-old listening to this? Saying, well, I don't really know what to do with my life. <laughs> well, again, nobody's, nobody's going to give that to you. Yeah. You know who I love, actually? And this is somebody I actually found really, really helpful from his perspective. Um, is Gary V. I love Gary V. If you're not who, sure who that is, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's got, you know, very big on Instagram and um, this kind of idea of encouraging people to pursue what they want. But I mean, he talks about this. I mean, even if you're 45, you've still got 25 years. I mean, that's yeah. a long time, man. The, the challenge that we often have, or at least even that I experienced, you know, when I decided to start really pursuing this, I mean, I was 37 and I started to think, oh, but I'm 37. Like, Surely by now I should blah, 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 blah. And I just, I remember standing in my bathroom and I just had this moment. Where I was like, yeah, but if I don't do this, I'll just die. <laughs> like I'll just, and it won't be like a, it won't be a glorious kind of uh, gladiator Valhalla kind of death. It'll be a slow withered kind of husk of an existence where I finally go out like a, well, I probably won't use that word. I won't go out on a good terms. So that was a thing. I thought, oh, but, but I just, I was aware of that, yeah. that the challenge to it was, oh, what will other people think? Like, honestly, to make some of this happen, I had to move back with my folks to do that because I had to cut back on my costs yeah. to go, okay, well, this is what I really want to pursue. And again, oh, I'm 37. I've got to move back with my folks for a while. 
oh, oh my God. And then you said, oh, well, should, should I have to do that? Yeah. Well, the, the reality was I had to choose that for myself. Like that was what was required. So I was like, okay, well, if that's what I want, that's what I'm doing. Um, so I've gone way off what you originally asked me and I can't even remember what it was. My original question was, so you, you had this, this kind of insight, um, whatever you want to call it, that, yeah. that your thinking mm-hmm. creates your reality or your, yeah. your experience of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you had this insight. When mm. did you have this insight? Oh, right, and right, how right. did it contribute to you now trying to make a, a, a life that, that, that is a life goes against ordinary. The, yeah, a life that's <laughs> yeah. ordinary that kind yeah. of goes against the grain of the yeah, nine to five yeah, yeah. And, and, and the good job and the nice oh, car. Okay. And so I'm, I'm curious as to when you had this insight and how yeah. it, it brought you to this point in time. Right, right. So now I remember why I kind of got onto that, that, that tangent. So even while I was in part of this digital marketing company and realizing after a little while that this wasn't what I wanted to do with my life in total, there were people that I met along the way. Uh, people that I met even through, again, a, a contact of a contact of a thing and that sort of stuff. And and one of the guys in particular that I met through this, who actually um, I have recorded a podcast with as well. Um, so Greg, um, Greg, your last name's gone out of my mind. That's terrible. Anyway, you can find, there's not a lot of Gregs in this, uh, in my podcast library. If you have a look through it, it'll come back to my mind in a moment. Um, but I, so I met him through through the course of this business um, that I was involved in, and he started to share some of these principles with me, and so that's where that awareness started to come from. Yeah, um, and in fact, uh, was also a big part of when I I got to the point after about four and a bit years within this digital marketing company of going, okay, I think I'm again, I think I'm done now. Um, I kind of had nothing left. Um, you know, he was the one who helped me to understand as well. Another principle was about growth and how that can happen. And that was that if, you know, there's two ways that you can grow. You see, one of those is through out of a sense of what you're lacking. So, okay, I don't have this now. I guess I'll need to whatever. I need to get more skills in this. I need more experience here. I need more credibility, whatever. And he said to me, you know, you will still grow if you do that. But it'll be painful. It'll be out of a sense of, you know, lack and obligation, or, you know, that kind of thing. I think the same way that a lot of people approach university, you know, oh, I have to get a degree. Yeah. And so it's a drag, right? Yeah. Whereas he said the other way that you can grow, and it's one of my favorite phrases now, is that you can follow your fascinations, mm. which again, I think laid the the groundwork or might have even already been part of it, this, this idea that the things that you're naturally interested in and fascinated by, that is a clue. Yeah. That is something that you should honor and respect and you should live accordingly. And you shouldn't discount that no matter what other people might might tell you. If it's where your interest lies, it's not a guarantee of what the path is going to look like, but it is a clue that you should move towards it. And if you do that, you'll still learn and you'll still grow, but it'll be light and it'll be interesting and at least it'll be worth it. Like at least if it's hard, it'll be worth it. Like I remember again, I you know, when I told you about making this choice, I thought, well, at least if I fail, like at least if I die, like I'll go out like, I mean, at least that's a way to go, you know, like at least that's for me, I don't know. That, that just made more sense to me than, than more passively succumbing, uh, you know, one day at a time, uh, one 10 hour shift behind a desk at a time. Yeah. So that was where that started to come from. So that was while I was still within that digital marketing context. And then after I left that. Um, it was funny actually, because at the time I forgot about this, I was, I was looking at doing some post-grad study because I'm a compulsive learner and I had been thinking about this for a long time. In fact, I'd almost done it before I started with this, uh, you know, the digital marketing business. 
um, and I had, and so now that I was about to finish up, I was like, oh, well, I guess I can do this now because it's been on my mind for a long time and I should really do it. And so I had finished up and then I was looking at starting, it was going to be the mid-year intake, June, July. And I, and I went in and met with different people from the faculty at, at Auckland Uni and different people there. And it was weird. And I started to feel this sense of equal parts, really excited and really dreading it. And I was like, this is weird as hell. Like I've been looking to do this for so long and now that it's finally coming, I don't want to do it. What the hell is that? Yeah. And so again, after this conversation with Greg Menendez, told you it would come back to me. Uh, again, look up that episode with him. It's a great combo. But after this conversation with Greg, I, I just started to see that the reason why I wanted to do this uni thing was again, out of a sense of lack that I wanted to communicate and I wanted to share words of, of value with people. And I didn't feel like I had a platform to do that. Why would anyone listen to me? And so I thought, well, if I do this, if I get a postgrad, you know, get a master's, get a PhD, whatever it is, then that will achieve that. But the problem was I am not built for academia. Like I'm not a traditional learner like that. I don't, I'm not about writing those kind of essays and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, I think you can probably testify to the fact that I'm, I'm fairly well, well learned, learned now, <laughs> but not from a typical uni course. And so I realized that that was the thing, like, oh my God, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to. And I just, again, in that moment, I had an insight and went, well, the thing is, I'll always be a learner. Yeah. But now I can read what I want to read whenever I want to read it or learn whatever I want to learn, however I want to learn it. And that's fine. And I can just cool. do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wicked. Like I don't, I'm not bound to that thing anymore. And then equal parts to that was that that was also when I made my first forays into what I guess the corporate training and facilitation and that sort of thing. And I just suddenly realized that the whole reason that I would be looking to do postgrad would be so that I'd have the credibility so I could stand up in front of a bunch of people and share the, the wisdom and life lessons that I've learned to help them live better lives. And then suddenly I saw, wait a minute, I'm getting a degree so I can do the stuff that I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I went, huh, I guess I don't need the degree then. Yeah. Um, so that's it's really just it's just a validation thing for you yeah. for yourself. Yeah, yeah. But again, this wasn't clear. So when when you mentioned earlier on, like this this wasn't immediately clear to me. Like this is what the process was. I suppose that the biggest challenge as you go along is that will you still have the courage to act on that? Because I do believe there's a lot of fear and scarcity in people about where they should be at in different parts of their life. Um, and so you know, when I saw that, look, would I be further along? Would I have a house? Because, you know, everybody apparently wants a house. Uh, you know, would I have a house by now if I had have just taken up a job with, I don't know, work in a bank or something? I mean, you know, if you want to work in a bank, God bless you, but just not for me, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you hear what I'm saying there, right? Like, if I had have just kind of gone to the grind, would I have been further along in that respect? Maybe I would. But then again, maybe I wouldn't. Mm. Because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been the best of me. It wouldn't have... I wouldn't have been able to contribute to the degree that I think I can now. And I think that's a better way to view your life. How, how can I contribute more than just how can I acquire stuff? Because you can already acquire more stuff in your life now than has ever been possible in the history of the world. Um, and I even feel like, as a side note, a huge part of our problems with debt and things like that that we have now, or even people living in poverty, is not because we don't have enough. Because in New Zealand, you kind of do uh, most of the time. Like even people who are poor in New Zealand, you can still have a TV and a microwave and a car. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that our discontent 
is from comparison of what other people have and what we feel like we should have in comparison to them as opposed to what do I have which is an abundant kind of level of thinking and how can I contribute and what can I do with it well just to speak to that a bit more because something that's always fascinated about me about you is your relationship with money mm-hmm. because I think money particularly for men mm-hmm. um, and for our culture yep. is a it's a measuring post for success sure and it's a it's 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 a tool that points towards your own personal quality of life and also your ability to take on responsibility mm-hmm. so and 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 for you with money i've always found that like it's it's never been a driver for you mm-hmm. um and it, that it's a curious thing because most people i meet including myself it it it, it is a really important yardstick and so i'm curious as to how do you view money and then in a larger the larger question is how do you view success what does Mm. success look like for you cool man yeah that's i mean that's the ultimate question right i think that's what everybody has to answer for themselves and i suppose for me that's why i can say like not having a huge amount right now doesn't bother me Mm. uh because that is not the ultimate metric that i have if somebody else feels like that i mean again like because i also don't have you know kids to support and things like that as well that would probably change how i viewed money um so to answer that fully, how do I think of it? I I see it now more as a metric than a must-have. And what I mean by that is that once I decided what it was that I wanted, the metric of how effective I was was how much people would be prepared to pay me for it. Okay. So I don't, although I don't go out there going, I need to make X thousand dollars per year, I knew I was making progress towards the things that I wanted when people wanted to pay me more for it. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in that respect, I still won't do something for free. Like if I don't what you know, like doing just stuff for cheap for the sake of doing stuff for cheap. Like if people don't pay for things, they don't tend to value it. So even with the, the skills I have as a trainer and facilitator, like I still have my rates, which some people will object to. I, those rates are not there because I want to fleece people. But it's also a reflection to me of, of competence and credibility mm. that says that I am at least as good as a person who gets paid this. So that's kind of where I see it now. Um, I also see, I guess, for myself that the more important thing for me was to be on the path that I wanted to be on. And it, you can very easily be tracked by how much you're paid. Mm. Like, I know plenty of people who are doing jobs that they hate, but they can't leave because of how much they get paid. Golden handcuffs, right? Yeah, exactly, right? And so... I think for me, and this is maybe, again, I, I can't really tell you why this is, but I I think I was often wary at different points previously, you know, up until, say, the last few years of getting too established in any one profession because I didn't want to be stuck there. Mm. And even if I couldn't have put the words to it, it's because I didn't really believe in what I was doing. And I'd say that's more important and probably answers that question better, that I am someone who has to believe in what they're doing. Um, and I know there are people who don't. And, and that on the one level blows my mind, but equally reminds me that I'm, you know, we're not all the same. And some people totally. are I'd, like the status is enough. Like I want to have a job where everyone looks up to me and I drive a BMW. Like actually, to be honest, like although that does nothing for me, if that does it for you, then actually you have my full support. Like go for your life. I really would support you to do that. Yeah. But I am not that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if I 100% believe in what I'm doing, then I'm all about it. And so that's more a point of when you need to ask me what success is, I can honestly say that the things that I'm involved in now, I believe in all of them. 
I believe in all of them. I'm not involved in anything that I don't believe in anymore. Um, and that took me, you know, 30 something years to get to that point. Explain what that. you mean by you believe in them. Um, when I think about the work that is required or the output that comes from those things, they are in line with what my own personal vision, beliefs, values are. So, for example, I believe in empowering people and, and helping people to understand the truth of what I said to you before, that their thinking affects their experience of life. And so the things that I do are in line with that. Yeah. They all contribute to this in different levels where either if it's podcasting or in still in some of the training that I'm doing or you know in some broadcasting opportunities which we might get around to talking to, that in any case, those things are all about having those powerful conversations with people so you can help them to see their own thinking and experience the power and insight that everybody carries but doesn't learn how to tap into. Cool. All of those things are about that. Yeah. I'm not doing anything where I'm creating... Like Elon Musk makes electric cars. And he loves it. Yeah. He is so pumped about it. I don't care about electric cars. I mean, I don't mind them. If someone wants to give me a Tesla, you can do that. I'm completely okay with anybody listening giving me a Tesla. But I, if I was doing that, I just wouldn't be as whatever. Totally. Jazzed about it. So I don't do that. Um, also, because I don't know how. <laughs> so I don't know. Does that answer that for you? Yeah, totally. And I guess that speaks to why you're doing the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I and okay, so and to lead, lead on from that, I'm curious as to when you when did you start the podcast? Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of people who who are creative in nature mm -hmm. and would like to do something that is more public facing. Sure. Uh often paralyzed by oh, yeah. fear of failure. <laughs> yeah. So I I, yeah. I I quite like you to speak to that and, sure. and and did you have any of that? And oh, if you man. did, how did you overcome it? You know what's really funny is that uh, people who know me well know me as a fairly confident person, yet when I tell them that I have a show called The Andrew Curtis Show, and they go, oh, you know, no self-confidence issues with you then, honestly, I struggle over calling it The Andrew Curtis Show. Mm. I was like, going, oh, God, that's so cringe, like, calling it The Andrew Curtis Show, like, really? But I realized that people who get into this kind of thing, they are the brand. Yeah. Again, you know, you, you Tony Robbins's, um, Tim Ferriss, Tim Joe, Ferriss Rogan. Joe Rogan, Gary V. like it's all the, that person thing. Yeah. There's not a lot of exceptions to that rule. And so it's like, well, that's the way you got to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I did, uh, I would also say too, that even before, Oh, actually had I started the podcast by then? When I started to want to share some of the stuff that I'd learned, I mean, again, I've, I'd already studied, you know, psychology and personal development and things like that for the better part of, say, I don't know, 10 years at least, going back, you know, a few years ago. And so I had stuff to say that would be helpful for people. Yeah. But there was still that moment of going, okay, well, let's start telling people what that is. And actually, I can't remember exactly what it was that made me decide to do that. Uh... It might have literally just been that I felt like, well, it's about time you just start going with what you've got. Yeah. It's very easy to undervalue the things that you can do well. So I thought, all right, I'll just start to share more thoughts along that line. Because like previously, and I started with, you know, things like Facebook and Instagram, that kind of thing, like my own Facebook status updates. You remember when people used to do those regularly? Um, that I was usually, I could be funny on the internet. No problems with that. Yeah. But going another level again and being like, okay, let's share something a little more insightful or profound. Like I hadn't done as much of that. Mm. 
So there was certainly some discomfort in that. Uh, I think that... Actually, let me take a moment on that, because I want to be honest about this too. Um, it wasn't that I wanted to start sharing profound stuff. It was more about answering that question that you mentioned, what does success look like to me? And that was to be contributing yeah. in the way that I can. And so contributing meant I had to start sharing what I knew. Mm. So that was more important to me. And so then, the, like I said, the next action became, it became clear. It didn't, there was still a bit of the, the, the discomfort, but it was easy to get past because I knew why I was doing it. And I think that's why I know of a lot of creative people as well who maybe have started podcasts or started creative stuff. Um, if you don't really know why you're doing it, like I, I'm not saying you have to have a crystal clear goal. I don't, a better way to say it is that I don't fault anyone who starts this kind of thing and then stops. Yeah. Uh, because that's the way it goes. Sometimes you start something and then it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or it doesn't look exactly how you thought it was going to look. And so you just decide, Oh, actually that's not what I wanted. That's cool. Like good on you for starting. Good on you for getting to a point where you're going, Oh, you know, maybe this isn't what I thought it would be. Um, what I would just hope is that anyone who does that gets the maximum value out of that, that they can by then looking at it and saying, okay, what was it about this? Again, my thinking is creating my experience here. What was it about this? That was a drag. What was it? that I liked. Okay. How do I keep the stuff that I like and move away from the stuff that I don't? Yeah. Um, and so that was the beginnings of that for me was to say, how can I, how can I keep this consistent so that it's not a drag? Well, that was the other question I was going to ask you because the, the, the law of compounding is, is small efforts. Mm. Yeah. Inputs, small inputs over a long period of time lead to yep. exponential results. Sure. And of course the start of an exponential curve mm. is very small yeah. and it takes a long, long time uh -huh. before you start seeing results. And yeah. then after a long period of time, you sure. get exponential rewards. Yeah. And so it's true of investing and it's true of, of, of working out. It's mm. true of m most things in life. And of course your memory tends to it tends the other way you, yeah. you start off with the most amount of memory and then it, yeah. and then it declines over time so you you find when people start an endeavor and i know this to be true for myself is you start yeah. an endeavor and, and over over a, a reasonable period of time if you don't see results mm. your memory forgets why you're doing it and what you're doing mm. it for and you stop doing it mm. and so i'm curious like i think you've like obviously the, the the show probably isn't getting as many views as you'd hope for mm. but it is getting views but sure. i'm curious as to but what one thing that speaks to your success of the show is your consistency in, in producing it and keeping right. it going so and and i know that you're doing the right thing because again like mm. you're you're leaning into the law of compounding mm. so i'm curious as to you kind of did answer that question, but I'm, I'm curious, is there anything else perhaps that, that yeah. has led to your consistency in, in, in keeping this thing going? Mm, yeah, great observation. Um, yes, definitely. And that, that point exactly was, was really helpful. Um, I actually applied it to something else that I did uh, at the start of the year because um, I never used to work out either. In fact, I think that presents the best example. So I'll go with that and then come back to the podcast. Um, I never used to work out at all. And so... You know, again, maybe five, six years ago, I started to do that. And, you know, I was at the point where I could barely do a regular push-up on my knees properly versus being able to do a, you know, a, a full one. Um, but the same kind of thing. I just started to realize that if you can do this consistently over time, um, then you'll be okay. And one thing that I noticed was of people who started running 
was that people would say, I don't work out at all. And then say like, okay, I'm going to get fit now. I'm going to start running. Mm. And then they go from, I don't run at all to they start running five times a week and they run like five Ks each time. And then they keep it up for a month and then they stop. Yeah. Right. And so what I started to realize when I put my own workout program together and thankfully, again, moment of grace, just an offhand comment a friend of mine made about when he works out, he works out to the point where it just gets a bit too uncomfortable and then he stops. And I was like, that goes in the face of everything you ever hear. Yeah. But the, the, the wisdom underneath it for me was that, you know, if you, again, a principle from psychology that actually really helped was realizing that, you know, in life, you're either moving towards pleasure or away from pain. So if you make working out painful all the time, you can't escape that in your mind. And so whenever you're trying to find the motivation to do it, you have to tell yourself, time to do the painful thing. And if that's your association, you're going to stop. Yeah. You're going to stop. And so I suddenly thought, okay, how do I make this not a real pain? How do I make this challenging enough that it's like, okay, this is kind of enjoyable, but not like a massive pain. And so I scaled back my workouts massively. Like I suddenly went, oh, okay. Cut them down to like probably no more than half an hour. So now I literally do five different exercises depending on what they are they might be like you know squats and push-ups and you know leg raises and whatever like five different workouts three sets of no more than you know say 12 or something like that maybe 15 for like sit-ups and leg raises and things like that and then i stop yeah and the the thinking behind it was and this is what i i guess helps with the the podcast as well where it kind of connects was i thought the point is not how do i achieve an amazing goal within six weeks or six months or something like that. For me, the goal was, if I was going to do this for 30 years, what would it have to look like for me to keep wanting to do it? And that massively changed how I looked at it straight away. Mm. Like if I suddenly thought about, again, having to do like one hour workouts, two hour workouts every day for 30 years, you suddenly, if you feel in yourself when you hear that right now, <laughs> if you suddenly go, then you go, pay attention to that, man. Yeah. It's like, again, people doing CrossFit. Yeah, I'm really into CrossFit. And you smash yourself and you absolutely said, okay, now imagine doing that for 30 years. How do you feel about it? If you feel great about it, awesome, more power to you. Keep doing it. But if you hear that and go like, oh, then honey, you better change that plan right now because it means you're not going to keep doing what you're doing right now. Sure. And, if, and if that's what you want, like, and that was the thing for me, like you said, compounding. So now like in February, January, February of this year, just because I wanted to see how far I'd come, I set myself a, a fitness challenge and I did 100 push-ups a day for a month. So 3,100 push-ups in a month. And if you had have asked me, could I do that five years ago? Hell no. And did I get there in three months? No, I got there in five years. But I got there in five years by doing something consistently over time. Totally. So I say all that to say when I came back to the podcast, when I first started, you might notice I did a, an episode every week. Mm. Every week I did an episode. And you know what I started to find? It was a drag and I didn't like it. Sure. So now I do an episode every couple of weeks. And there have been a few occasions where you might notice I, I haven't done one for three weeks or a month. Um, just when stuff has happened. But the principle being, how many of these do I need to do? Or how often would I do this that I can keep doing it? Yeah. And then exactly like you say, I mean, that was my thought. When I started to get a clearer vision about getting back into broadcasting stuff, then the point of being discovered and recognized as a talent comes from having a back catalog of things and you only need to have one episode one interview that suddenly goes bonkers and suddenly the doors open and you're away but that might take me two years it might take me five years so what would it have to look like for me to want to keep doing it for its own sake right now yeah 
Brilliant. And so that's what I did. I was like, okay, well, if I do this once every couple of weeks, actually, I can probably, that's probably fine. That's, that, that lines up with who I am. If you're way more conscientious than I am, which is not hard, uh, maybe you can do one every week and then you should. Like, fine, if you can do that. But I just, for me, I managed to keep doing an episode every couple of weeks for, uh, I think it's two years and, might have been actually two years this month. No, two years in March. Anyway, something like that. Uh, and I'm still doing it. Really cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so what's next? For Andrew Curtis show. <laughs> what is next for the Andrew Curtis show? Um, well, for a start, I do want to keep doing these interviews, uh, at least for now. Um, the goal is more about, again, how do I reach a, a wider group of people? I would actually like to start doing these, um, like videoing them as well, put them on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's some basic stuff in terms of, you know, buying cameras and equipment and things like that to do that to a sufficient enough standard that, um, we'll work towards that, but mm. I definitely want to keep that up. But when I mentioned to you before too, like even last year and I made a few changes as well that I started to think, okay, uh, what do I want for my life now? When I really saw that idea of what have I given my power to? And I took that back. And then in that moment, went, whoa, hang on a minute. That means I can do anything I want. And that blew my mind. Like I can, I can do anything I want. I can do anything I want. Like, what do I want? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a moment. And that was when I, initially I started looking at um, doing some work overseas because I thought, oh, I've never done that before. That'd be really cool. Um, but part of the nature of being over 30 is that that's harder to do. Um, and I realized that to do that, you then need to get certain types of visas, which mean that you then have to work with certain companies and whatever for a certain period of time. And I just thought, well, the last thing that I want to be doing is just changing location. Sure. And so I thought, okay, well, then we're not going to do that. So what, what, again, what do I want to do? Like what? I could do anything. What do you want? Where's your energy? And I was applying for a bunch of like HR related roles. And I just, again, had this moment where I was like going, do you really want one of these jobs? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, okay, well then what do I want? And that was when I suddenly thought, well, actually I've really enjoyed this podcasting stuff. What if I was to try and get back into broadcasting again? And so um, I wish I could be a lot more specific about it. But at this, at this stage, I can say that I've had an opportunity now that's opened up that is going to give me a chance to broadcast nationwide once a week um, to talk about uh, these, the kind of issues that I like to talk about more in-depth current affairs stuff and that, that we, people can really wrestle with. And so as soon as that's super confirmed in terms of dates and times, I'll make sure I make that available. But that's literally come about in the last week or two, but that's been the result of, I don't know, probably it was like September, October last year when I first started to pursue some um, contacts that I had in that field. So that's, again, another example of what I was saying to you, right? That you just make a choice about what it is that you want. And then suddenly it's amazing how the opportunities or the people you need to talk to becomes a lot clearer who you need to talk to and what you need to say to them. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really like my life. I wish it was better. I said, well, better how? Like better in what way? Um, this might be a bit of a tangent, but I'll, I'll go with it for now as well. I, I learned a really powerful lesson when I was, um, I designed a, a personal development seminar of my own as well. So the, the training side of things I, I want to continue to do as well, because I really enjoy that. But I designed a seminar of my own and I needed a location. And I, I just suddenly realized that being as specific as you can with people is really helpful for them. Like, I think it's, 
maybe because I'm much more of an agreeable kind of person that I don't want to, I didn't want to appear demanding, but it was also unhelpful for people because if I went out to everyone and said, Hey guys, I've got the seminar and I need some help putting it on. Can anyone help me? Right. Too general. Yeah. Too general. Like, how is a person going to know what they need to do? Like, what am I going to ask them for? All this kind of thing, right? Whereas what I did do was go out there and say, hey guys, I've got the seminar that I've prepared. I need a location on these dates for this time. Can anybody help me out? I had two or three people come back to me and I had a location within a week. Awesome. But again, it was just going, oh, not just, can someone help me? Yeah. Like, okay, I want this. It needs to look like this in this place, these locations. What's And then again, bam. So same thing with this broadcasting opportunity. Once I decided that's what I wanted, I was talking to somebody and literally said those words of, oh, I've been looking at getting back into more broadcasting stuff. That led to a conversation, which led to another conversation, you know, and months later has now, uh, you know, it's on the cusp of actually coming to pass as well. So it just comes from seeing that those things that you carry within yourself, if you acknowledge them, and start to then say, well, if that's what I want, what do I need? I need this. And you put it out there, other people can help you. It's amazing how much people would help you if you would just tell them what you need. Yeah. Like specifically what you need. Like, oh, I wish I wish my job was better. Okay. Like, but what? Like better how? Better what? Like you need to come up with that. And the thing I would encourage anyone with is that you you can and will come up with that if you have the courage to look at that and stay in that space of discomfort for a bit acknowledging that your your feeling is coming from your thinking acknowledging that if you're prepared to say okay what could i be thinking that makes me feel like this the insight will present itself and then you can have the answer and then you can go to somebody else and say hey i need this can you help me yeah and it's just it sounds like it's just deciding just make a decision mm. Mm. and i think that that is i know i struggle with it and i know other people do too is like mm. is making a decision yeah because i mean especially if you if you look at it as like a um a process mm. of first understanding that your thinking is creating your mm. reality and your experience of the exactly. world exactly yeah and also your thinking is creating how you present yourself to the world like your so your true. own self narrative is a story about who you are and, yeah. and and what you're good at and what you're bad at and it's mm. and that could be a whole mess of things that's contributing to that that narrative so it's like almost like you've said that you that has to be a really strong Mm. insight um an aha moment when you say i am responsible and i and i can create my own reality yeah and then it seems to me like the next kind of thing is deciding like mm. okay i've i i've i understand that it's the case yeah that i can i can change things through mm. how i think and then the next step is deciding what you want mm. and i feel like that is also that is and that's why i said at the start like you make it sound quite easy sure and i'm curious as to how it is easy because i've always found it quite difficult to say like this is the thing this is what i'm going to shoot for sure um because of the we we're talking about before because of the opportunity cost of what sure. you miss out by making a decision mm -hmm. and i know it is also true that's like well if you don't decide anything then, <laughs> <laughs> then the other, yeah so i'm uh, how, how, how do you kind of uh, mitigate that or how how do you yeah. go okay this is what like for that seminar, for example, sure. how did you decide I'm going to do a seminar? I'm going to do it these dates. This is where I'm going to do it. And yep. see what happens. Yeah. 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 Um, I should say too, if I have come across as a really powerful person who really understands this stuff clearly, I have not always been that guy. 
like, I, and this is why I really, it means a lot to me to share this kind of stuff because for the most part of my life, up until the last few years, I was very much more in the same position that you're in. Man, I'm interested in a lot of things. I want to do a lot of stuff. Like, what do I do? How do I do it? Where do I go? What should I do? And again, then you just don't choose. And then you live with a very external locus of control, right? So I guess where to begin on that? Um, It comes back to that idea again, though, of it's a principle first. So for me, it was when I realized that my thinking creates my experience of life, then I started to pay more attention to the things that I was interested in. Like, what do I like? What do you really like? Like, what could you do for a day or a week or at least an hour? It, you know, if money was not involved, like, what, what, do you, what would you just do for fun? Mm. And, and I say that because a lot of people talk about gaming and things like that. So those are usually escapes. And equally too, though, we need leisure in our lives too. So I don't want to, I mean, look, I'm a gamer as well. So I'm not throwing rocks at that at all. But beyond that, like what, what could you do that you just like? When, even during your day that you hate 90% of, what are the moments when you get a rush of energy? Like when does that happen for you? Only you can answer that question, but I can guarantee it happens for everybody. There'll be little moments. All I would say if you're at the very, like, very beginning of that journey is maybe even write that down. It's like, man, I had a crap day, but there was one moment where I solved this problem and it was awesome. Yeah. Or there was one moment where I I wrote a really good email. Like, honestly, something like that. Um, I got to go out of the office and meet with a client. I really liked that. Um, or I got to focus at my desk for 30 minutes and I really got through this solid block of, you know, might've been spreadsheets or something kind of technical, like whatever it was, man, like start with that. Yeah. Start with that. Like, where's that energy come from? And just start to be aware of it and go, oh, okay, it's this, huh? All right. Um, one thing that I haven't actually spoken to yet in regards to making that choice as well. And this is more, again, more of a, an idea of philosophy than a specific course of action for people is that we spend a lot of time asking ourselves how do i do this and make sure that it's the right thing yeah like how do i make the right choice how do i make the right choice and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording right that that's an understandable question but it's also not how human beings have ever learned like how did the wright brothers make the right plane they crashed heaps mm. how did thomas edison make the right light bulb well he made the wrong light bulb uh or all the way back to when you were an infant, how did you learn how to walk? Well, you fell over a lot. So this idea of how do I make progress in this? It's not about how do I do this and make sure that it's right. So why don't you just start it? Like, I remember that with the podcast. Like, I didn't have a clear vision of what exactly I wanted it to be, but I just started it. And said, it might have failed. Like, I might have done it for a couple of weeks and gone, nah, that's not actually what I want. But the point was not to be changeable. It was just to be almost like a self-auditor as I did it and go, okay, do I enjoy this? Is this a thing that I could keep doing? Like, yeah, okay, all right. No, we can, we can keep doing this. This is okay. Uh, or, oh, no, nah, not really what I was looking for. Maybe I'll, I'll change it up. Um, so when being aware of that, you know, how do, I, how do you make it easy? I said, well, if you're doing stuff that you like, it's not hard. Like, I feel like we've disconnected from that. A lot of people are doing things that they don't want to do and so they live in willpower all the time. Yeah. Like you got to force yourself to do it. 
most people's lives seem to be mostly willpower driven, doing jobs they don't want to do, going places they don't want to go, hanging around people they don't want to hang around with. Well, whose fault's that? Mm. And that's the power of when I say that my thinking creates my experience of life, I had to suddenly go like, you know, I mentioned earlier on that idea of I realized who, that, that, that people in places that I'd given my power to wasn't helping. Part of me wanted to be upset at them. But part of me also realized that was a choice that I made. Yeah. Like that was something that I did. Like, and there, who's to say they were more insightful or should have known better than I, I did. I mean, maybe I could say that, but equally like they're just trying, the people are doing the best they can with the thinking they've got at the time. And that's true the whole way through your life, throughout all the mistakes you are going to make. So why don't you just set yourself up in a situation where you can try something and if it doesn't work out, maybe it doesn't work out small. Uh, but if it does pay off, it's going to pay off huge. Yeah. So like I said, I made some choices with my work that meant that, you know, so I could develop my own seminar and try some other things that I didn't earn a lot of money in the last year, um, which again is a unique thing to me. Like it doesn't traumatize me as much as it does other people, but equally I would still like to have more money than less. So it's not completely a non-factor, but I say all that to say that I thought, well, I can try this. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe I have a year where I don't earn a lot of money. Mm. I mean, that's not amazing, but I'm not going to die. So, okay, but if it does work, then suddenly I found career paths that I'm really energized by. And because I'm energized by, I'm going to excel at. And because I excel at, I'm going to get paid well. Yeah. And I can make up the difference. Um, and I can have a life that I want. But that starts with me and the choice that I made because I wanted to make it, because I became aware of what it is that I wanted and had an understanding that the things that I carry within me, I don't know where they all came from. I didn't create them all. But if I honor them, acknowledge them, and move towards them, the actions that I then need to take are a lot easier. I'm not going to say they're always easy, but they're easier if you know it's what you want. Yeah. It sounds to me like you have a, a lot of self-awareness as to what you can handle and what you're, you're and again, talking about like um, the things you're good at and things you're interested in. Sure. And even just before you said noticing things during the day that perhaps, you know, you get a bit of spark from, you get a bit of energy mm. from. Sounds like you... You you are self aware in that respect. I'm uh-huh. I'm interested. Do you have any practical things you someone could maybe pick up from this that mm. they could do to become more self aware? For example, do mm. you spend time thinking about these things? Because I know mm. a, a lot of people are very busy. You know, sure. like get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, sure. go to sleep. You know, sure. and sure. then every day is a, a copy paste repeat. It's very and, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's full of things all all day long. Things coming at them constantly. So, mm. do you put time aside to to think or to meditate or anything anything oh, sure, pra- sure, anything sure. practical in terms of becoming more self aware? Perhaps personality test that kind of thing. Like, oh, is, yeah, is, right. are there practical methods that someone could take to kind of get to a better level of self understanding and, and self awareness? Sure, sure. At the risk of partly dodging a question. Um, I would actually say that I learned that actually being curious and aware is more your natural state than being busy. Mm. And when I say that, what is the practical thing that you could do? Uh, it is better for another person to choose that for themselves. I mean, you could do any of those things that you mentioned, you know, and that's where I talk about the truth of the lowercase t. What could you do? I mean, look, let's be honest. If you're listening to this right now and I said, okay, what are some things you could do to become more aware? I bet you could come up with like five right now. We all know this crap. It's not, it's like, how do I get more healthy? Well, we all kind of know that. That's not actually a mystery to anybody. Yeah. How do I become healthier? Well, I watch what I eat and I sleep properly and I start exercising. There you go. You've cracked it. So why don't you do that? 
And that's where the powerful question really lies. Why do I not do that? Mm. And that's where I say your thinking is the beginning of these sorts of things. I could tell you a whole bunch of stuff that you could do and you'd probably agree with it. Um, you don't need me for that. And my what I find most fulfilling is not being the guy who has the answers for other people, but being the guy who in a conversation with somebody else, they walk away feeling more powerful in themselves without me around. Sure. Like that's what I want for everybody because that's what I learned for me. Like that was what was most helpful for me. And I said that, being curious and engaged is your natural state because, again, look at children. Mm. Look at a kid. How often do you find a child born and bored and disinterested, like at the age of two or three? The world is fascinating. Everything is interesting. Everything has a story to tell. A billion whys every single day. And yet you get older and older and you stop that for whatever reason. So when you ask me how do I become that you know, as if being curious and, and noticing things is unusual, I would suggest to you that actually your current disinterested and dispassionate state, that's unusual. Sure. That's what's weird. Cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's powerful. Awesome. We come to the end. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I I guess that that's the kind of thesis of the of the whole Andrew Curtis journey, isn't it? <laughs> kind of is, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and just helping, uh, you know, I want other people to have that. You know, if if you want to be an accountant, and again, I, like I mean, I live a life that's ordinary because that's what I want. If you want to be an accountant, and I often go to accountants because that's the antithesis of who I am. But whenever I see my accountant, I tell her that people like her make people like me possible. <laughs> um, so if you want that, like, then you know what, want that. Go for that. Like, as maybe an addendum to this, I would just say, look, be the kind of person who lets people like what they like. If you like one thing and somebody likes something different, that's cool. Honor that for them and hopefully they'll honor that for you. Like what you like, let them like what they like and encourage one another along that journey. The actions they need to take are going to present themselves. But for you, for me, you know what? If you want to be an accountant and you have a 40-hour-a-week job or 50 or 60 if that's required, if you want to be the best lawyer in the world and you, you're okay with working 70 hours a week, go for it. Go for it. Live that life. Kick ass. If you want to be an entrepreneur, start a whole bunch of businesses, live on the ragged edge and that kind of, do it. Just do it. Mm. You have my complete support and encouragement. Do it. Go for it. Maybe you fall over, but at least you, you live the life that you wanted. And the other thing about resilience that you'll learn is that you can actually deal with more than you think. And there's, I mean, I guess so much more that I could say to that too, but definitely if you have a thing that you're interested in, or even if you don't feel like there is, you can, you can recapture that. You can start. So start. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you in my bedroom. <laughs> the silk pajamas were a little weird, but now I feel very acclimatized to them. So thank you very much. Now I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, the future of the show and, and and looking forward to hearing you on the radio as well yeah thanks man yeah well as i said when i've got that info i'll, I'll put it out for people but thanks for being my guest interviewer uh and again to you my dear listener thank you for sharing this conversation and i hope there's been something in it that's been helpful for you and you can always contact me and let me know what has stood out to you i always appreciate hearing that so if there has been something honestly i'm asking you right now let me know what that was. You can send it through to the Andrew Curtis Show at gmail.com or you can check out the show itself on facebook.com slash the Andrew Curtis Show. Thanks for listening.